right, so if you'll now turn in your Bibles, if you have not already turned there, to John chapter 4. I know I'm having it read through verse 43. A long section. I'm going to take a break, drink some water, while our men read for us uh, from John chapter 4. And yes, I appreciate it when your short time to read, if you would stand up and just read nice and bold.
Thank you, men, for reading, and I hope I found that to be so joyful just to hear the different men read that text. And as you heard that story, I mean, how many of you have heard it before? Okay, how many of you have heard it before? You read it, but to hear it uh, as the men read it, it's there's a lot going on, isn't there? And it's a dynamic story, but one of the things that I would like to begin as we consider this Christianity Explained uh, uh, series is that... Jesus was prepared, he had prepared himself to speak the truth of the gospel. And if we use Christ as our example, we should be prepared, we should have a spiritual preparedness to evangelize. I think every one of us in here understands this feeling. We're like, we've got to run to the store because we need the milk or we need this one item and we're so singularly focused on on that that we forget that there's a a sea of unbelievers there that we're actually bumping into walking around maybe talking to at a cashier whatever there's all of these opportunities that would afford us the time to share the gospel but we don't take advantage of them we're about to see jesus who uh, if you think about the beginning of the story uh What's happening? Uh, Jesus is tired, and so he stops, and he sends his disciples. He's, he's wanting some alone time. Anybody want some me time every once in a while? Do you have your little place where you can go hide from the world, uh, your prayer closet maybe, maybe a, a rat, raccoon habitat? I don't know what you have, but you have these places where you can escape, where nobody can bother you, and it's just you, and maybe, you know, if you're ultra spiritual, it's you and the Lord, you know, and you're trying to spend some time with the Lord, uh, but here's Jesus, he's tired, and he he sends his disciples away, kind of indicating I'm ready for my my own me time, and then something happens. His his me time gets interrupted. And and in John 4, we see Jesus begin to speak to this woman at the well, and I think you could probably understand that there were many good reasons in the text. I don't know if you would call them good reasons. There are at least many reasons in the text in which Jesus could have said, you know, this just isn't a good time. I'm I'm busy right now. I'm, I got to get ready for my next lesson that I'm going to give to the disciples when they get back with the food. I'm, you know, there's all these things that he could have given. We actually are given in this text uh, some of those particular reasons, and some of them, I guess we'll just throw them all up there. Um, some of them are uh, things that we would use ourselves, right? So what are some reasons Jesus could have found for not talking to the woman at the well? Well, in verse 6, we're told he was tired. He was hot. He was thirsty. 
I, I mean, have you ever been in that situation? I know I've shared the story. It's in my notes because I shared it back in October. But when we did that 68-mile bike ride in the heat of the summer, and we were to the point of heat exhaustion, and I finally made it back to the, we, we made it back, I had to drag my wife, but um, we got back to the Katy Trail, and there was a guy who needed some help with his bike, and I was parched, I was about to fall over, pass out, I just want to get to the water fountain, and I said, I can't help you, I got to get to the water, I mean, Jesus is thirsty, he's hot, and he's hungry, now how, have any of you have ever used that as a reason I can't talk to you right now. I've got to go shower. I can't talk to you right now. i, I got to go eat. Jesus was all of those things. Uh, additionally, Jesus was not readily, uh, Jesus did not readily, the Jews, excuse me, did not readily have dealings with, with the Samaritans. I mean, just the context, these are, these are different people. Uh, I, you know, it's, I'm not sure what your thoughts are. But I know sometimes we'll drive through uh, Bentonville and everything, and there's a there's a lot of Indian folks from India, and the way they dress, and you'll have a man that's well, they're walking, and couples they don't always walk together. The man's about ten feet in front of the woman, and there's always this distance, and it just seems strange, right? Well, it's how do you get into that? There's there's different understandings eth uh, ethnically and religiously and socially, that's in verse 9. We read that in verse 9, that the Jews didn't normally have uh, those kinds of, of dealings. Uh, Jesus, in verse 17, knew the reputation of this woman, which kind of shocked her, right? Uh, you meet a random person, and you begin to share with them all their sins. How would that person feel? You know, But Jesus, knowing that, all these problems, I don't want to talk to that person because I know how bad they are. And one of the things for us as believers, it ought to be, in one sense, not to the extent of putting us in harm's way, but sometimes the people that you, know, you may think of being as the worst off, they're actually perhaps the easier ones to reach. They'll put up a facade of difficulty, but if you break through that, there are sometimes they recognize sometimes that that disparity between what they know in Romans 1, they already know in their hearts between the way they're living. And if someone just would stand up just to kind of put a hole in that barrier, pop their bubble, as it were, you, you might be surprised. But Jesus could have certainly said, hey, this is an evil woman. I'm a rabbi. Uh, I, I really can't uh, speak to, to her. So... Um, it was socially unacceptable for men and women to converse in public. So that's uh, not so much an issue in our culture today, uh, but in Jesus' day, he, should, he could have said, I can't talk to you, you're a woman. Not only are you a woman, you're a Samaritan woman, and so I really ought not to be speaking with you at all. All of that's found in our text, and yet Jesus does speak to her. Why? He's prepared for it. I mean, it's almost, you know, we sit here, we read the story, and we're like, well, yeah, but he's Jesus, and he had all of this insight. What is, why is he living this out? Why is this story in the Bible? It's to teach us how to have interactions with people that are different from us ethnically and religiously. How do we go about? He was spiritually prepared to seize any opportunity to speak to this woman about the gospel. 
he didn't see obstacles that shouldn't be overcome. He saw obstacles as something that can be and ought to be overcome. So moving on with our notes here, if I can do that. Okay. So if we're talking about uh, what must we what must we do? Spiritual preparation of yourself is everything in personal witnessing. We need to be ready to share the gospel. As individual believers, we need several types of preparedness. There's several things that we must do, we might do, well, I say must do, if we're going to uh, evangelize properly. And the first thing is we need to be praying for opportunities. Some of you already do this, and I, I commend you for it. And I'll just say what I always say, excel still more. Some of us are not there yet. We don't actively, aggressively, continually pray for opportunities. To think that your doorbell rings and our first thought might need to be not, hey, yay, the Amazon order is here. But it could be, well, I have an opportunity. Lord, give me an opportunity to, to say something that might spur on a conversation for the gospel. I tell you, I'm one of the worst at it. I mean, I'm like, I'm busy in my office. I have all sorts of reasons not to talk to people at the front door. I'm busy with my sermon. I'm on the phone with somebody. I have all these reasons. But when that doorbell rings and I see somebody on my ring thing, you know, ring thing, uh, that's I should be praying, Lord, give me an opportunity. I should be praying for those before the doorbell rings. I should be praying for it when I'm about to leave the house. Uh, you know, Lord, give me, I have an intention. Now you're going you're to have to keep me accountable. I have an intention of going to Home Depot today. I got some things I got to pick up. And I shouldn't just go, my mindset, this is me in a store. Before I ever get there, I know what I want. Generally speaking, I know what aisle it's on. I'm going to go in. I'm on a search and destroy mission. Get it. Get out. Stealth. Don't be seen. You know, under the radar and get home. But I'm passing all of these people. And I'm not saying that I'm necessarily going to be able to or I'll have the opportunity, but I should be praying, Lord, if this is the moment that I'm supposed to speak to that Home Depot person or there's a guy next to me looking at the same things I'm looking at and I can strike up a conversation, I need to be prepared. But that won't happen if I'm not praying about it regularly. Or if I'm not praying about it, when it happens, then I'm going like, now what? You know, somebody... Oh, it's, it's Sunday. Do you go to church? Uh, you're the deer stunned in the headlight, you know, whatever it might be. So we need to be praying. And I think about Nehemiah. Uh, I love the story in Nehemiah chapter 1 and 2. Nehemiah is concerned about the walls of the city being destroyed, and he's the cupbearer for, for King Artaxerxes. And as a cupbearer, you got to be up. you got to be a happy person because if you're not happy and you go before the king, if you look like you're down, the king may think, He's going to poison me, and so he'll kill you. And so you come in all joyful and give the king what he wants. And Nehemiah was so distraught with what he learned about with the condition of Jerusalem. He enters into the king's presence, and it says he was sad. And the king noticed. Now, typically, that's just not a good combination. And the king says, you know, why is your countenance down? Why are you sad? Why, why do you look so bad? Nehemiah, are you about to poison me? And we read in the text, Nehemiah shoots up this prayer. It just says he, he just prayed to the Lord. 
and it goes on and he begins to explain. It was just a quick prayer. Lord, this is my opportunity to share something with this king. And he shares about his people and the God of his people. And, I mean, we might not say it's the classic evangelistic message, but it was that which told him that there's a living God, that, that the, the people in his home uh, city, home area, needed help, and the king ended up being quite benevolent. But it was all because of a, this, this little prayer that was off, offered up. So let me just ask you, do you pray for opportunity to share? And, and I'm sure all of us have, and all of us do to some extent, but pray more. Pray often. Let's see if we can get it going. Um, in addition to praying, uh, we talk about this, we need to be looking for opportunities. So it's not just about do I pray about it, because we can pray about it, and we can do something. Lord, I, this is the way that some of us like to pray. Lord, if it be your will, when I go to Home Depot, make it abundantly clear. Let the person come up to me and say, you just have the aura of being a Christian. Would you please explain to me what it means to be a Christian? I mean, at that point, you're like, this is a clear sign that I'm supposed to do it. Thank you, Lord, for opening the opportunity. How many have ever had that happen? You've had that happen? Almost, okay. I mean, sometimes you get really close to that. I was trying to be a little extreme. But we need to be looking for opportunity. Uh, Maybe even better, making opportunity. Uh, I say here, be intentional. Know that when you're in Home Depot, you're a missionary. You are representing Christ. You are what Christ was to for God the Father in being that missionary that would share the gospel. You are potentially that same figure in a person's life around wherever you find yourself. So be intentional. Intend to speak to others about Christ. Now that that takes us back to number one, right? Because for some of us to speak intentionally to another person about Christ, I need a lot of prayer for that. That's not easy, right? It can't always be easy. I, I know some of you, I'm looking at some of you like me, I'll, I'll tell them whatever. Just get me at them, right? But for some of us, it's, it's a barrier that we have to get over. So it's got to become a mindset. Uh, that's what it means to be spiritually prepared. And again, I, I think that we all do it to a certain extent, but we can be better at it. We need to be uh, more intentional. And then third, and that's kind of where we're getting ourselves into this particular study, is we need to be equipped to take those opportunities. We need to be trained. We need to be prepared. And you can do a lot of that self. You can do that yourself. What's the – I want you to help, out, help me out here because I'm just getting tired of talking. Uh, what are some ways in which you can prepare or train yourself? What's one of, a couple of the key ways, actually one's already up there, but what are some of the key ways in which you prepare yourself for evangelism? Memorize scripture. How is that preparation for evangelism? This sounds like a nerd thing. Hiding God's word in your heart prepares you for uh, evangelistic opportunities. Yes, sir. Practice. Okay. What do you mean practice? Okay. 
Okay. Interesting, because it's uh, we, we use this terminology, we talk about rehearsing the gospel, and even what Laura was just talking about, memorizing, then you can begin to think, well, if, if I were in a situation, how would I use this verse in this way? How would this be helpful? But that's, that's intentional, right? You've got to be thinking uh, this all the time, and it's easy sometimes to sit back and watch others. You can, you can watch a video. I, I don't know if you uh, ever get an opportunity to watch, like, Ray Comfort. I mean, that man, he just goes out in the middle, or Todd Friel, you know, go to a, a, a campus, a, a college campus, and just, okay, you know, just start talking about everything. And, and I look at those, and I'm like, that man's brave, you know, and just to get out there. Because I don't, because now I'm back to where Chris is at. What question is the, these guys going to ask me that, will I be prepared? And you're trying to do all of that. Um, but why would you watch a Ray Comfort or a Todd Friel do it? Because there's a form in which, okay, that's how you would answer that. And if you would do it more than once, some, I know some of you will watch Ray Comfort and Todd Friel do that repeatedly. What happens when you do that? It becomes training and preparation because you start, oh, I've heard this question before. Oh, I know how to answer that question. Alice and I were talking before service that sometimes people, they'll ask a question in a, and it'd be one of those curveball questions, right? Like, and you think about it, and I come up with the best answer. The best answer. I just, I have the best answer for that person. Three days later, right? <laughs> but once I come up with that answer, then I should file it away so that when it gets asked again, I'm not waiting three days to communicate it, right? So well, what are some other ways that you can prepare yourself, train yourself? Yes. I do the same thing with my raccoons. We've had deep theological discussions, my raccoons and I. I mean, because there's no wrong answer for the raccoon. I can't mess them up, you know. But, um, yeah, but just even uh, we're talking about rehearsing. I'll do it out loud. I mean, uh, not for every sermon, but uh, even as preparing for the sermon that I gave in the first uh, service, I, uh, I'll go over that and I'll audibly I'll say I'll work through my sermon out loud so I can I can hear it can hear what it sounds like and then that also makes it easier for me to remember some of the key points that I want to make when I do the sermon well you can do the same thing with the gospel you know uh, many of you have been challenged to write out the gospel in a hundred words or less and I appreciate that you've done it can you can you regurgitate it to me right now maybe maybe not if you're not Pull those out and become so familiar with it. Say it out loud a number of times so that all of those components now, they're yours. It goes back to memorizing. Be so familiar. What are some other ways you can equip and train yourself? <gasps> Three. You're so spiritual. Praying for opportunities. 
making opportunities? Yes. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, uh, but again, how do you prepare yourself and make sure you're praying? Oh, yeah. Okay. Trusting. Spirit of God has the capacity to pluck out all the, the mud and just give the one pointed message. Yeah, and I appreciate that. Trust, uh, in other words, uh, depend upon the Holy Spirit. A lot of us get freaked out about sharing the gospel because we think we're deficient in ourselves. And let me just remind you, yes, you are. If you're going to do this on your own, you're going to lose. Or if you think you're, you're so smart that you can do it without dependence on the Holy Spirit, well, you're not really honoring the Lord. The Lord may use you anyway because he can, if he can make a, a donkey talk, I mean, can certainly speak through you, right? Same. Uh, Luther said it, but a little more crassly, <laughs> so I won't go there. I'll let you think about that. Um, but, yeah, to depend upon the Holy Spirit and to know that there's a promise, that he'll bring those words back, but it assumes you've been putting those words up here. Alice? Yeah. So uh, what's a great way of, of preparation? What's your own testimony? And, and, and some of us uh, challenge you. Some of us here need to work on our testimonies a little bit better. We, we get it a little too superficial. We just... Jesus saved me when I was six years old. The end. Well, okay, let's think about that. I mean, start really thinking through. Maybe it was when you were six and you didn't have a big uh, scriptural library to pull from. But now looking back on how God did that when you were six and your parents sharing, what verses did they share with you? What were the things that contributed to you getting to that point where you went to mom and dad and said, Mom, what, I, I think I want to... I want to give my life to Jesus. Well, you may just say that to somebody. That means nothing if there's no, no scripture with it, nothing that really points to what God did to, to make you, bring you to that particular situation. So be thinking through those scriptures that we call them life verses, right? You, uh, or a life verse, every time a life verse. If you have one life verse, this is me, shame on you. What? You should have more than one. I mean, there should be a series of verses that you just kind of, that, that just kind of flow from your mouth. I mean, the very first verses I memorized that just have always spoken to me, and these are nothing new. You've heard them. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will smooth. He will direct the path. Because some person highlighted that for me and said, these are significant verses. And so, that's a life verse. But guess what our other life verses? How did I come to know the Lord? I got walked through what they call the Romans road. All these verses in Romans that were all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Well, that's me. The wages of sin is death. Oh, that's what I'm getting. 
but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Well, that sounds a lot better. Well, how do I get that? If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay? Those, I could just go through. And then uh, Philippians 1.6, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began the good work in you, he did it, not me. He will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Just to, to think through, stop this saying, oh, these are nice verses, but I don't really know them. Make them your own. That goes back to the memorizing. You had something you wanted to say, and I got all preachy. Yeah, thank you. You say that like it's from experience. making an opportunity, right? Absolutely. And you use such a good word. We need to learn how to make connections with people. And that's what you see in this John 4 passage. Jesus uses the opportunity, the opportunities before him to make connections with this woman so that he can then go deeper into what's, uh, what's important. Uh, I do have to get through. I'm loving hearing all of this, but somebody's, are we under attack? <laughs> it's funny when it's so quiet in here, and when I'm preaching, I don't hear all this stuff, right? So anyway, when we talk about this last opportunity, one thing you didn't say, and I know you're going to say, well, yeah, we just assumed that, but read your Bible. Read your Bible. Pray every day. Not only will you grow, 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 but you can go, go, go to other people, Right? And so our study that, as we get into the study proper, this is just all preparation for it, uh, really is going to help us with this third aspect. How do we equip ourselves in order to properly share the gospel, effectively share the gospel? I mean, it's one thing just to tell people, you know, to just run through Walmart and wildly proclaim, you know, Jesus died for your sins, believe. I, I mean, probably not a lot of people are going to do anything except think you're a crazy person, right? 
You can do a, a, a friend of ours uh, from days on old, you just, you just yell out, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If that's what you're doing in Walmart, I mean, you might get asked to leave. I mean, I don't know. But you say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, it doesn't really communicate a lot. You haven't made a connection with a person. You haven't, you're not effective in, in communicating what needs to be saying. So we need to, uh, to do this study, but I'm going to remind you that those first two things of praying and looking or making those opportunities uh, need to be done as well uh, at the same time. So let's talk about for a moment what Jesus did in our time remaining here from our text capitalizing on casual opportunities. How do you make the most of the opportunities that you have? Quite often, concerned Christians have good opportunities to speak to family, friends, even strangers about the gospel, and yet they are passed by because we do not make any connections. We do not uh, do what is ex uh, expected to capitalize on those opportunities. So let's notice how Jesus did this. How did Jesus capitalize on his opportunities? The initial discussion in verse 7 was about physical water. I'm thirsty, give me a drink. Okay, Ken, you were kind of alluding to this, right? But that provided Jesus, he saw in his mind, I can make a different connection. While she gets me water, I can talk to her about living water. And you say, well, yeah, but Jesus, that was easy. But now you have the same thing. Next time you get the waitress brings you, bring me a drink. Thank you. Now let me tell you about living water. Of course, she will be busy helping other people, so you have to be cognizant of that. But the initial discussion over physical water, verse 7, provided Jesus with a bridge to speak about living spiritual water, verse 10. We need to be thinking about how can we make those connections. In other words, Jesus was looking for a way to introduce spiritual ideas. And that's the principle. Do you look for ways to introduce spiritual ideas? Because isn't that the hardest thing? It's to make that jump from just, hi, my name's Ed. What do you do? I'm a, I'm a pastor. Quite honestly, that makes a lot easier bridge for me because than it does for most of you, because now I can kind of lead into spiritual things pretty easily. So I have to admit, I'm, I took the easy way out. I became a pastor to make it all easier. You guys have hurdles, you know, because you're like, what do you do? I'm an, an, um, an, uh, an analyst, an analyst for, I can't even say the word, okay, for uh, Walmart or Sam's? Sam's. You know, I'm a, an, an analyst for Sam's. And then, you now, how do you get that? Let me tell you about numbers in the Bible. I mean, I don't know. You're going to <laughs> you're gonna have to find the ways to now bring that connection. You need to look for ways to introduce spiritual uh, ideas. But Jesus went further than that. Uh, the woman's interest, as she, she says, tell me about this living water. So whatever that first bridge is, then you got to be prepared. And this is the one, sometimes I've had these opportunities, I'll talk to somebody, and they actually respond. And you're, I'm like shocked. I'm, I don't, now what do I do? They actually respond to me. They're like, you know, oh, you're a, you're a pastor, and, and uh, you, uh, you, you teach the doctrines of grace. So what's that about? And, oh, man, I got five minutes. What am I going to tell them? You know, but here there's an interest, and now Jesus uses that as a, a bridgehead 
uh, not only for the woman, but also to bridge, as a bridge to the people in the town of Sychar, where he says to them, or where she will go to them in verse 29 and say, come and see. So whatever his conversation was, it be, piqued her interest so much that now she said, I want to bring other people uh, to talk uh, to, uh, to Christ. And I think about that, you can practice this, by the way, with, with church. I know it's not exactly the same as sharing the gospel, but it's a good practice. I mean, you should be talking to people. Hey, let me tell you what we're talking about in our church right now. And you talk about something that should cause some people's eyebrows to go up. What are we talking about in our church right now? The wrath of God. I mean, talk about maybe piquing some spiritual interest. Then you can say, come and see. I mean, I, I've made it really easy for you. The, the, the wrath of God. I mean, what are you guys talking about? Well, it's in Romans chapter 1, and, and uh, he's work, we're working through what, what it looks like in light of our culture. And it's just, you ought to come and see. And maybe somebody will actually come and see. But you're being intentional. You're making it an opportunity. And, and so, again, just trying to, to find those, those bridges. And then, thirdly, Jesus' ministry to the townspeople provides a bridge for an unscheduled stay. In verse 40, I always thought this was interesting in verse 40, if you make note of that. That Jesus, well, why did Jesus stop initially? He's tired. He's, well, yeah, divine. He had to stop, yeah. But, I mean, part of what we see is that he, he had to stop, but at least from his disciples' point of view, hey, he's tired. He wants some alone time. Uh, he sends his disciples into town to go get uh, some food. And uh, the intention, the intention as far as the disciples would have thought is we're going to go get some food get some water we'll come back jesus will eat be refreshed and then what will happen we're going to get out of samaria we got to get out of dodge right we got to get out of here and so now what happens because the woman was interested jesus built that casual conversation to, to speak to the woman now she says come and see and then now the people want him to stay and he stays for two days. And what do you think the disciples are doing spending two days in Samaria? What, what, has he lost his mind, right? What is he thinking? I'm sure there was some of that struggle from time to time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes. It's, a, it's just a double whammy, right? The, he had to go through Samaria, so Jesus is, they're heading down, you know, uh, and they come to the border of Samaria, and the disciples are like, okay, uh, we're about to make a left turn to go all the way around, and Jesus said, no, we have to go through Samaria. All right, well, you're the Lord, so we'll follow you. This is weird. Let's get through quickly as possible. We stop in the town of Sychar. Why are you stopping, Jesus? I'm hungry. I need a drink. Go into town, get a drink. Do you realize that that's delaying us? That's going to keep us here longer? Yeah, I know. Get lost. Okay? Well, why? Because he knows there's going to be this opportunity. 
And then now he stays for a couple of days. From the disciples' point of view, you're just thinking, this is a nightmare. This is a PR nightmare. How are we going to explain this? From Jesus' point of view, this is the way evangelism should work. If, if I go to Home Depot today, and I end up having to be there, my, I'm supposed to go get some things and come back and pick up my wife after that PBS meeting. If I'm not there, you know it's because I had, I had to go to Home Depot and I'm going to be there for two days, okay? <laughs> I'm not sure how that works. You're on your own, okay? Your walk, okay, okay? So the point is, is that just a casual conversation about spiritual things, what started off with just talking about food, water, sports, the weather, Jesus turned it into an extended teaching opportunity that what the disciples thought would be, hey, we're just going to, we're stopping at Taco Bell and getting right back on the road. This now turned into a full-fledged seminar on the gospel. And so you, we never know how a casual conversation may lead us into a deeper extended teaching opportunity. And all of this begins, you say, well, this is Jesus. Yeah, I know it's Jesus, but Jesus, we're to, he, we're to imitate him. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know I love that verse from 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. What, what is Paul known for? Uh, let's back up. Who's the first and greatest evangelist? Jesus. From a New Testament perspective, who's the second greatest uh, evangelist? The Apostle Paul. What did Paul say? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So we should be seeking to do exactly what we see Jesus doing in this text. We should be seeking to do what we see Paul doing in the book of Acts. And this study is intended to help us do those things. But I'll tell you, we can, we can see some great spiritual fruit through this study. Or we can just waste some time. Let me rephrase that. You can see some great spiritual fruit through this study, or you can just sit here and waste your time. And you'll be wasting your time if you do not think about, Lord, I need to be praying more for opportunities. I need to be looking for making more opportunities. And you already have equipped me to a certain extent. If I know the Lord Jesus, I have what I need to share the gospel. But now I pray for this study that Pastor Ed's taking us through so that I might be better equipped, so that I can be even more effective in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to be able to do what, uh, what I see Christ do in this particular passage that we looked at. The key point is spiritual self-preparedness is everything. If you are not going to prepare yourself, then uh, we will, you'll, you'll come up short. And so I'm praying that you will uh, take these particular uh, points to heart. So uh, a couple of things just as we wrap up this uh, first of our lessons. Uh, as we look at John chapter 4 and we've read through these verses, um, let me just remind you in verses 31 through 34, let me just ask you this question. You can look at it. Um, I know the answer because I wrote it out in my notes here. What is the food Jesus says he has to eat in this passage? What is the food that Jesus said he had to eat in this passage? To do the will of the Father. That's his food. 
he's tired, thirsty, and hungry. But he said, ultimately, from a spiritual sense, what fills me up, what fuels my fire, is when I do what the Father has asked me to do. And the Father has asked me to share the gospel. What has Jesus asked you to do in Matthew 28, 19 through 20? Share the gospel. What does Jesus ask you to do in Mark 16, 15? Share the gospel. And so that's the will of the Father. In verses 38, or 35 through 38, I'd ask this question because he said the fields are white. They're ripe and white for harvest. Do you consider that there is a harvest, a ripe harvest in our area? Do you think that Rogers and Bentonville and Bella Vista and Springdale and Johnson and uh, South Fayetteville, do you think those places are ripe for harvest? Yeah. I, I think they are, but we don't know. We haven't, to say we don't know, we know how to access it, but we haven't necessarily pushed ourselves and equipped ourselves to the best extent that we can to reach these, these folks. Pray about it, look for opportunities, and let's get ourselves further equipped. Verses 39 through 42. Why did Jesus stay an unscheduled two extra days with the Samaritans? They asked him to. Okay. I also think, and we're going to see this, we also think about this uh, one-off uh, kamikaze uh, presentation of the gospel. I meet this man named Brett. Hey, Brett, nice to meet you. Uh, Jesus loves you. He died for your sins. You need to believe in him. I'll talk to you later. I'm out of here. I've shared the gospel. And, I mean, and I'm being a little bit facetious, you know, but sometimes that's the way we think evangelism should work. Jesus had to spend, he had to spend two days to communicate the fullness of the gospel to the people in Samaria. He took two days. I'm going to do it in a few minutes at Home Depot later this afternoon. We don't know that we're always going to have two days or two hours, but, you know, what would the ultimate goal be? Let me just say, what would the ultimate goal be if I got to go to Home Depot today, I happen to strike up a conversation, I get to tell somebody something about the Lord Jesus Christ, the next step would be you should come and see. I'd love it if you'd come to church. Or, uh, hey, I've enjoyed this conversation. I do have to get going, but can can I give you my phone number and, and, and maybe we can get together for coffee I need to know, I need to let that person know, I'm not just here to drop a bomb and go. I want to be in their life. I want them to know that I'm concerned for their soul. And I think some people get turned off when we just, you're a sinner and you need Jesus Christ, so repent and believe or I'm out of here. And, and then they're just like, well, those Christians are just dropping these bombs. They need to know that we're there to care, that we're there to communicate uh, those things a little bit further. I think when we read about why Jesus stayed there two days, he, he didn't rush it. He wasn't trying to rush it. He'd make him disciples. He wanted them to know, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and I, I do understand that. Uh, the idea that was shared that, you know, it is, 
important that we share the gospel, even if it's these we could, these little bombs, because we don't know there's a cumulative effect. If they start hearing it enough that, but somebody eventually will need to come along that does more than just drop that little bomb. And it's just like I'm saying the six-year-old that says, you know, well, I asked Jesus into my heart, so I'm saved, and that's what we use for our testimony. It's when we begin to realize all the prayers of my parents and all the scriptures that were shared by my parents with me and the Sunday school teachers and the children church teachers that did all these things. And you begin to see there's a lot more to my salvation than just me one day deciding to follow Jesus, right? So, um, so yes, definitely, if all you have time for is to drop, we're calling them these little gospel bombs, by all means do it. Uh, don't think uh, if you legitimately can't stay any longer, so you just say, Hey, I really want to encourage you to get to know Jesus a little bit better. I wish I had more time, but, you know, go to church, whatever. But, uh, and then lastly, I just think this is an interesting observation. We'll close with this, that there is a progression in how the Samaritans understood who Jesus was. How did their assessment of Jesus grow? If you look at verse 19, the idea is, is he the prophet? I mean, that would be pretty impressive. The, the, there hasn't been a prophet, per se, in, in uh, Israel for a long time. Is this, is this one of the prophets? That's a pretty nice title. Then they started asking, well, is, could this be the Christ? Could this actually be more than a prophet, but the actual anointed one of God promised in the Old Testament? And then in verse 42, I love it. They say, it is no longer because of what you have said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed, what's their final assessment of him? The Savior of the world. They recognize he's the one that saves them from their sin. He's the one that's saving them from the wrath of God. I just love that progression. But it is a progression. And that just goes back to some of the things we're saying. We might only have a one-off, hit-and-run kind of evangelism if that's all you have time for, but don't think that that's your gifted ministry. My ministry is I only have to tell people repent or burn in hell, and then that will be enough. I need to be ready, spiritually prepared to share more than that. All right, so that's John chapter 4. That is trying to set the stage for how Jesus was prepared to share the gospel. We need to be spiritually prepared. You have three things that you need to be looking at. I need to be praying more about it. I need to be looking, making opportunities, and I need to make sure that I'm equipped. And some of that equipment, equipping can be done personally through your Bible study, personal Bible study, uh, as you memorize scripture, as you rehearse things. Uh, you can do all of that, but we're also going to help you think about even more things as we continue through the study. Sound like a plan? Yes, sir. And so, on that note, there is a meeting in the next two and a half minutes-ish. Chris is going to be leading a BBS meeting that if you are incredibly interested in participating, if you are 
vaguely interested in participating. Even if you don't want to, you need <laughs> to be at this meeting. And he's providing food. And I understood. I, I don't know if I can tell the story. He, he was going to just serve soup, I heard. He was going to serve soup, and people from all over were like, we've heard, we've tasted, you have this, you, you smoke meat, the, and can you please bring meat? And because he loves meat himself, he couldn't say no. And so now it's not just soup, it's, it's meat, okay? It's smoked pork butt, right? Okay, so if that's not incentive enough to go, y'all need to go. I have to go to Home Depot. I had to. <laughs> but, but you can go to the VBS meeting, and there's so many different roles. You don't have to think about that I'm going to be, I have to teach, I have to stand before people. We need so many people that do stuff behind the scenes that he'll, you'll get all of that explained, all right? So thank you for the segue. Thank you for the meat that I'm not going to get to eat, but you all can. And uh, let me close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the the greatest of all the missionaries, the greatest of all the evangelists, and that you have allowed us the opportunity to imitate him. To be Christians means to be a little Christ, an imitator of Jesus Christ. And so may we re even go back and look at John chapter 4 and, and consider the things, the reasons why we would have excused ourselves from sharing the gospel with this, this woman, but to recognize what Jesus did in order to share the gospel with this woman. May we be more intentional about being people who share the gospel. We pray that you will bless that, that you will continue to teach us in these things, and we'll be careful to give you the praise in Jesus' name.